Great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say hello to all of our campuses real quick. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars men and women. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for those. We have a lot of people to watch online as well. Thank you for doing that. We have a lot of deployed military all across the world that watches as well. Can we just say hello to all of you? We just want to say thanks for protecting us, looking out for us, and uh, we are grateful for that. And so I have a dear friend right now that's, uh, that's actually in the hospital. She works on her staff, Pastor Kathy Harwick. She's uh, on our lead staff, actually, and uh, she is in the hospital with COVID, not doing well. I'm just going to tell you straight up. And so we just need to pray for her right now. So I'm just going to stop and pray right now for her. And for anyone else that you know that, that, that is dealing with COVID, anyone else have a friend or family that's got COVID right now? Would you lift your hand high if you have someone in your life being affected by this? Look at those hands going up. Yep. At all of our campuses. This affects a lot of people. So let's pray right now, okay? Lord, I thank you, God, that you are with my friend Kathy. Lord, I pray that she would get out of that bed within the next week fully recovered. Lord, I pray, God, that she would be focused on her future. Lord, you have got big plans for her life. I pray for everyone who has COVID right now. Maybe they're watching online. I pray that they would know that they're going to get through this and that you are bigger than COVID, God, and you are the great healer, the great physician. And so please bring your healing upon your people. And I pray, Lord, that they would know, Lord, that your word says that I will not die, I will live. Lord, I thank you for that, Lord, in Psalms 118. And so we believe that, God. We will not die, we will live. We thank you that you have a future for us and a plan for us. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. And so give it up for Pastor Kathy. Would you do that real quick? We love her. She's a dear friend. Grateful for her. Let's say our mission statement together. What's our mission? What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die Period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. I want to kind of shift gears from what I was going to talk on this week, and I was going to kind of go into some more of the stuff that God revealed to me, but I really feel led to shift gears and make it about you and what God has for your life. And so today I want to give you a message called Finding a Purpose That Lasts. Finding a Purpose That Lasts. I think all of us, whenever I, I talk to people about you know, where God has us as a church and what I believe is next for our church, people tend to ask after that. They say, well, I don't, I don't know what my part in all that is. Like, what does God have for me? You know, how do I know what what my purpose is. And so let's discover that today. Let's find out what is God's purpose for you. And so we're going to look at some scripture today. And I want to talk about, first of all, a guy named Solomon in the Bible, because Solomon had to overcome something that I think most of us have to overcome. And that is the, the world wants to entice us into what the world believes is, is what matters and what makes us happy, what's going to satisfy versus what really will. And we, we tend to get caught into that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit right off, uh, right at the beginning as well. The first scripture today is Proverbs 16, 4. It says this, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. So God's purposes will prevail in our lives. So what is God's purpose? Well, the first thing you need to know if you're taking some notes is this. Number one, the world will not and cannot satisfy you. I think it's important just to start with that. The world will not and cannot satisfy you. Solomon learned this the hard way because he had everything the world had to offer. And he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. It's one of the, chapters, one of the books in the Bible to where he, he basically spells out all through, through each chapter how at the end of trying everything there was to try, it left him empty. It didn't satisfy. But Ecclesiastes 2 is the best encapsulation of the whole book and so I just want to read real quick the first 10 verses of that. We're going to go real quick through this about all the things he tried to make him satisfied and it just didn't do it. Look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was 
meaningless. I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, what's he saying? He says, I'm already a, I'm already a God-following man. But while I was following God, I also tried a bunch of crazy stuff. Now, I know none of you have ever done this. But I hear sometimes that Christians can still be sinful. I know that you're not. But most people can be wanting to follow God and still clutching at the world, reaching for some things that aren't God-honoring at the same time. He says, I decided to cheer myself with some wine, and while seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people uh, find during their brief life in this world. Basically, this was Solomon's college years. This was an extended spring break, and there was no party like a King Solomon party. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he knew how to get crazy because he had all the money to do it. So he had the resources and the fame at his disposal to put on insane parties. I mean, craziness, right? And so just imagine, TikToker Bryce Hall had nothing on Solomon, okay? I'm just trying to help you understand. Like, he knew what it was to, like, go crazy wild. Jake and Logan Paul would have told Solomon to slow down. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were like, whoa, dude, you're way out there, right? Charlie Sheen's like, dude, you're crazy for me. This is way further than I'll ever go. I'm just trying to help you understand how Solomon could snort anything, smoke anything, take anything, try anything. That's what Solomon said when he said, I clutched for anything. He's like, I tried it all, man. I mean, it was crazy up in Solomon's house, okay? And so that's what he did. And so he went all out and he discovered, the first thing here is that pleasure won't satisfy you. He discovered it won't do it. There's nothing you can snort, smoke, or take. There's nothing you can try that's gonna satisfy you. He also discovered this, riches won't satisfy you. So pleasure won't do it. And riches won't either. He says, I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes. Not, not a home, not a huge home. Huge homes with an S on the end. He had multiple homes. It's like, you know, really, really rich people, they say nouns like they're verbs. Like they don't say, oh, it's summertime. They say, I summer in the Hamptons. You know what I mean? That's how they say it, right? So he would like, this is, I summer in the Hamptons, right? I winter in Telluride, right? You know, I summer in my home, you know, off the coast of Italy next to Clooney. And I got a home over off the coast of Hawaii next to Oprah. And so, I mean, that's the kind of life Solomon was living. He didn't have a nice home. He had homes, lots of homes. He says, I, I built up huge homes for myself and I planted vineyards, beautiful vineyards. I also owned large herds and flocks. That means he had really successful businesses. More than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women. That means like, you're like, hey, what's today? Oh, today's Tuesday. What, oh, we have tonight, uh, Bieber's coming in. So you're like, oh, that's awesome. You're gonna go to Justin Bieber concert? He goes, no, I have Bieber coming in to give me a concert. You're like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, and then what's Wednesday night? Oh, I got Adam Levine and his crew are gonna come in. And then Thursday, I got the Migos coming in. I mean like, whoa, whoa, what? Like you're not going to the concert. Oh no, they're coming to put me a concert, like a private concert. I'll just invite me, my friends and family. We'll just do it. Like, like, okay, what kind of money does that cost? He's like, what are we talking about? I don't know. I just tell him to write a check. I don't care. Like, he didn't even notice it on the books, what it cost to do that. He's like, I don't care. Just bring him in. That's how I roll. Just bring him in. And so that's the kind of life that Solomon was living. He had rock stars coming to him. And so he was like, oh, yeah, you're Tuesday night, you're Wednesday night, you're Thursday night. That's how he did it. 
And so pleasure wouldn't satisfy him. Riches, also he discovered, won't satisfy you. He had more money than Bezos could dream of. He had more money than Elon Musk could even think about. I'm just imagine when he got up to go to his closet to get ready in the morning, he opened his closet and it was like the men's department of Nordstrom. That was his closet. Just imagine, ladies, you get up in the morning, you open your closet, it's the women's department of Neiman Marcus. Like, or as I like to say, needless markup. You know, the whole place. It's just all, all yours. Just imagine that. He goes to his garage. Instead of having one car, he opens his garage and it looks like DuPont Registry. Every car you can imagine. He had a stable of whatever he wanted, man. He had lots of chariots. Just pick the one. And so that's the kind of life that Solomon lives. He said, I, I went for it, man. He discovered pleasure won't satisfy you. Riches won't satisfy you. He also discovered something else. Illicit sex won't satisfy you. He said, I had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. That's a scary verse. Everything you could possibly desire, he had it. He said he had many concubines. In fact, we know that he had over 700 concubines. What does that mean? There were 700 women somewhere in his palace and every morning they got up, got dressed, got ready, and their sole purpose for that day was, maybe he'll call on me today and it's my, it's my day to fulfill his every whim, his every desire. I mean, so he didn't look at porn he lived a pornographic life. I'm just trying to help you understand who Solomon was. And he said, I tried all that and it was meaningless also. It didn't satisfy me. It just didn't do it. I wonder if part of the, Solomon's problem was that he had access to so many women that he never understood the reason he was not satisfied. Could be maybe like his daddy had the same problem. By the way, his daddy had the problem and he, he added a zero to the problem. This is why we have to conquer our issues because if we don't, our kids will have our issues with a zero. So it's a big deal. So his daddy had this problem, right? He had a problem with women. And, and then Solomon comes along, he has a problem with hundreds of women. And so you can imagine, I'm scared to know what Solomon's kid had a problem with, right? I mean, this is just so self-destructive. I wonder part of the issue with David and Solomon was that they never understood what it was like to give their whole heart to one woman and, and that one woman to give her whole heart to them. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why there was an unfulfillment there. And so, because Solomon had what the world says will satisfy you, and he said it was meaningless, didn't satisfy him. Then he goes on to say this in verse 9, So I became greater than all, than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. Oh, man, let me read that line again. Anything I wanted. Just imagine me on Instagram, you're scroll, scrolling through it. Anything you like, just imagine you click on it, it appears. Oh, I want, I want a body like that, click. I want a woman like that, click. I want a guy like that, click. I want, I want a car like that, click. I want a house like that, click. I want to be on vacation like that, click. I want. That's a terrifying thought, isn't it? What would that do to you? Sounds fun at first. I mean, sin's a lot of fun at first. It really is. I mean, if you don't think sin's fun, you didn't do it right. I'm just, I hate Brady. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, I mean, it could be a lot of fun at first. It, it's fun till it's not. And maybe you've discovered that, right? It's fun till it's not. And then, and then all of a sudden, it can all turn on you. He says, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. Wow. That is a scary line. Whatever I wanted, I took it. Anything I, I thought of it, yep, I want hurt. I want hurt. I want that. I want this. I want to go there. I want to do anything. Just, I just took it. That, that's pretty crazy. Speaking of illicit sex, I just want to mention this. Um, I, was, I just had me flipping through channels a number of years ago, and Tyra Banks had a show. I don't know if she still has a show or not, but she did for a while, like an Oprah-style show. She'd interview people. And she was interviewing a, a relationship expert. And I just happened to stop and watch it for maybe 10 minutes. And for those of you who are younger who don't know who Tyra Banks is, she was the supermodel of all supermodels for about 20 years. She was literally on top of her game. 
And so now she's a little bit older now, and older is a relative word at my age, but I will just tell you this. She was like, you know, what everyone aspired to be as far as in modeling and all that back in the day. So Tyra Banks, I, I couldn't believe what I heard, but she was talking to this relationship expert, and she said, she complained out loud. She said, every man I've ever dated has always cheated on me. What was that? Like, oh, because Tyra Banks isn't pretty enough? Because she wasn't sexual enough? Like, I thought you were the gold standard of that. I mean, the Kardashians are supposed to be the gold standard. They can't keep a man. <laughs> so if sexiness is the key, then clearly there's something wrong with that. I'm not trying to make fun of them. I mean, I feel bad for them. There's a great heartache in that. I'm not... I understand that, so please don't, don't take this wrong. I'm not judging them. I'm just trying to explain to you that everything the world has to offer apparently must be pretty empty because it didn't satisfy them. There's no amount of money that Kanye and Kim could throw at their relationship to keep it together. Think about that for a second. I remember a number of years ago that it was, it was all over the news that, that Kanye, it was one of their anniversaries, and so he decided to have a little, little anniversary night with his wife, and, and so he you know, brought in one of the most famous musicians of all time, Kenny G., just to play personally for him. And he also brought in the New York Symphony. He brought in the New York Symphony. And all of that resource thrown at that relationship, eh, broke up. So I'm just trying to explain to you that, oh, you think, oh, if I just had this, if I just had that, if I just was with them, then I'd be satisfied. It doesn't satisfy, guys, because I don't care how great you think those people are, they're not Jesus. And so it will not fulfill us on the inside. Fame and power also won't satisfy you. He said, I became the, greater than anyone who had ever lived. Basically, what does that mean? He became, I became more powerful. I, I became as, as great. Basically, People Magazine Man of the Year every year was Solomon. Time Magazine Person of the Year every year was Solomon. I mean, he was, he was the guy. And yet, he found that fame and power would not satisfy. Recently, Will Smith did an interview. He did a table talk with his wife. She has a little online show, pretty popular, a little table talk. And he recently, they, they divulged to the world that, that she cheated on him. And I thought, well, of course, because you know, she needs to find a guy who you know is better looking and more famous. You know, someone who has more money. I mean, think about the absurdity of this for a second. That's just, that's insane, right? And then he admitted on this table talk, and I'm actually a fan of Will Smith, so I'm not trying to knock him. I'm just trying to help you understand something. Will Smith actually said that the last few years have been really tough on him because he's had a real problem with jealousy because he's jealous of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And the reason he's jealous of him is because why? Because Dwayne The Rock Johnson the last few years has been the highest paid celebrity actor in the world. And that used to be the perch that Will Smith was on. And now he finds himself jealous of someone else. So I'm just, I'm just trying to help you understand. Will Smith, I think he's doing pretty good. He hasn't had a day he's not been famous since 15. He's over 50 now. Back 10, 15 years ago, he was making 20 million a film. So he has money and power and fame, and yet he is not satisfied. Then what are we doing? thinking we're gonna find something this world has to offer that will satisfy if the people who have it all aren't. How many more rappers and actors do we have to see kill themselves before we realize that the world will not satisfy your soul? You just can't do it. Guys, it's just Jesus. You just need Jesus. It really is enough. 
fame and power won't do it. Now, this is a big one, and I, I want to say this, and I may offend some, some people, but i got to say it's the truth of God's word. Here it is. Total success won't satisfy you. Now, I'm going to define what that means in a minute. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Ecclesiastes, excuse me, chapter 3 and chapter 4, he goes on to talk about how he was the highest, most powerful king, and anything he wanted to pass in the land, he could pass. Here's what I want to say with this. That means that his 100% complete political agenda was enacted. Every legislative move he thought would make Israel better, he made it without any opposition. That means there was no opposition to his politics. It was all approved, and yet he still was not happy. Think for a second about that. Some of you are, I'm just so mad about the country going this way or that way. I'm not saying you don't have reason to be upset. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying if you got, if you got it the way you wanted it in Washington, exactly how you wanted it, it would not satisfy your soul. And even when you got it that way, four years later, someone else would take over. Which means if you are looking to make the world, perfect, world perfectly right for you to be happy, you're gonna be pretty miserable. Because even... All as important as all those things are, and I think they're important. I think we should all vote. I'm not saying that doesn't matter, and I think our vote should count. I'm not trying to say those things don't matter. What I'm suggesting is it will not satisfy your soul. You will not be at peace with all that and more. Fame and power won't satisfy you. Look what he says here in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and in 4. He says, so I came to hate life. I mean, he, he, he got the point where I don't even want to live. Do you know my phone has rang more this year than ever with people wanting to take their life? Guys, we're trying to find things to satisfy that won't do it. If I could ever create a cocktail that would make you suicidal, here's a cocktail I'd put together. Make, make sure you have to stay at home alone and make sure that every time you turn on your television or on your phone, all you see is hate and anger and dysfunction and then get you to focus and get addicted to those things. If I could create a better cocktail to take your life, I can't think of it. Sounds a lot like 2020, doesn't it? And now what's bleeding into 2021? Guys, the reason you say, well, I thought we were talking about purpose. The reason I'm talking about this is because we keep thinking, even as Christians, we keep still thinking, well, maybe the world does have something to offer. So what we do is we focus on God, but then we dabble with the world with one foot, and we wonder why things are jacked up in our lives. It doesn't work. Guys, I'm just, I'm just as tempted as you. I find myself on TV going, oh, what's that like? Oh, I wonder what they're doing. And I have to watch myself and stop and go, okay, well, don't, you don't need to watch that or you don't need to get sucked into that. And guys, if I can admit that as a pastor, then can't we just admit that the world still looks enticing to us? There's certain things we think, oh, oh, that would do. If I just made this much money, if I just had those items, if I could just have a relationship like that, if I could just have this career or that career or that lifestyle, then I'd be happy. It won't do it. And so if all of this made him that unhappy, he goes on to say, I came to hate life because everything is meaningless. And then he said, and even depressing. Solomon had everything the world had to offer and he was depressed. I think the reason why a lot of actors and, and, and athletes and these other people that have everything the world has to offer are so miserable is because they realize, crap, I got it all and I still am not happy. I have everything and yet I'm still empty. That's the problem, guys. 
The world is selling us a lie. It won't work. Now listen very carefully. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's nothing wrong with riches. There's nothing wrong with sex and marriage between a man and a woman as God created. There's nothing wrong with fame and power or success. The problem is those things won't fulfill you. That's the issue. So then what do we do about this? Look what Solomon said at the end of Ecclesiastes after he exhausts himself and tries everything there is to try. And I mean, he tried it all. You name it, he tried it. Look what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. All has been heard. He's like, I've covered everything. What he's saying there. The end of the matter is fear God and worship him and keep his commandments. For this is the full original purpose of his creation. Who's his creation? We are. This is our purpose. It's to fear God, keep his commandments. And he said, this is also the foundation of all happiness. The adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun. What is he saying? He's saying, wherever you're unhappy, wherever there's a rub in your life where things aren't happy, if you'll adjust to getting under his purpose and doing what he's called you to do, you'll suddenly find yourself happy. That's what he says. And he says, and this is the whole duty of every man. So what does this mean? Number two, fulfilling God's purpose for your life will satisfy you. That's it. Can I tell you when I'm at peace in my heart? When I'm at peace in my heart is not when everything is exactly like I want it to be in the world. No, because that's never going to happen. I'm at peace in my heart when I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. When my life is aligned with the values that God has given me. When, I'm, when I know that every day when I wake up, I'm in God's will, doing it his way that's when I am the happiest. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three. It says this, you, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. To keep your purpose firm means you can actually, you, you can actually be in God's purpose, but be so focused on yourself that you're unhappy. So you, some people say, well, I would be so happy if I just knew what God wanted me to do and I just did that. No, you could actually be doing that and still be unhappy if you're doing it for yourself. You know, I'm, I'm amazed today. I see pastors making their whole ministries and churches about them. And then you wonder why things kind of fall apart in their life. Because it's like they're really not worshiping Jesus, they're worshiping himself. That's called narcissism. And so, you know, we all, I know many people judge churches and ministries that, that do that. And I, I understand that frustration. It makes what we do look bad because that's not how we are. But, but if, it's, if it's so obvious in, in what I do to see it, but maybe it's not as obvious in what you do to see it, but we can still make our life about us, by ourselves. And it just doesn't satisfy. See, the big thing about praying, as long as I prayed, is not that I'm so holy, is that you, you can only pray so much about what you want until you finally run out of things to pray about, and then, and then you finally say, God, what do, you, what do you want? And that's when God starts talking to you. They would say, oh, I've been praying and I haven't heard from God. Well, could it be because you just won't shut up about you? And instead actually listen to what he has to, to tell you. And here's the cool thing about what God wants to tell you. The first thing he wants to tell you is who you really are. Because it would shock you. God has a big secret. He wants to reveal who you are in Christ. And so and then he has great plans for your life. But you got to listen to him to hear that. you got to get your mind out of the world and onto him. But what do we do? We get so busy comparing ourselves to other people. And so we wake up every morning. What's the first thing you reach for when you wake up in the morning? Your comparison device. So we can then compare ourselves to everyone else. But you're actually not comparing yourself to them. You're comparing yourself to the image they're putting out of themselves. So you're comparing your reality to their social construct. And you wonder why you're so unhappy. 
But their life doesn't look like that either. They took 60 pictures to get that one shot that they casually put up. Their life doesn't look like that either, just like your Instagram doesn't look like your life either. We don't post when things are bad. We don't post when things are regular. We don't post when we don't look good or feel good. But that's part of life. The truth is, is that we're all selling a lie. You're all being catfished, every one of you, including me. None of us look like that or sound like that or do those things all the time. And so we're falling for this and we wonder why we feel so empty. Do you know what kept the Israelites out of the promised land? The promised land was their destiny, was their purpose, right? You know what kept many of them out of the promised land versus those who went in? The people who didn't get to go had, had two things. They, they didn't have the faith to believe that God was that good and had that for them, and, 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 which means they also had fear, right? They lived in fear. Oh, I, I can't handle this, or this isn't bad, or this isn't gonna work out. So they had fear rather than faith. And the second thing was they complained. So when they got in the presence of God, instead of saying, oh God, you're awesome. Please speak to me and I wanna do your will, whatever you want for my life. They got in the presence of God and they said they went, well, why is Jimmy's life so cool? Can I have what he has? And look at Sally, look what she's doing. Can I do that? And God's like, I have so much for you. Would you get your mind off other people? I have so much to tell you that I want you to do. But we are so consumed with screens, with staring at a small screen or a big screen all day long. We are binging on the world. And then we wonder why we feel empty. You know what real worship is? You ever had an experience where you just really felt God's presence? Maybe you were tears involved and you're like, oh, this is amazing and just God just really filled you up. You ever had that experience? You know what that actually is called? It's called binging. You're just binging on Jesus. You ever turned a TV show off after watching five episodes in a row and all your mind thinks about all night long is that show? You filled up, you now have the mind of Netflix. We wonder why we don't have the mind of Christ. We need to binge on him a while so he can fill our minds with his thoughts. And when you get in his presence and you get his thoughts, he can then begin to show you his direction. My favorite part about spending time with God is he doesn't just give me his power, he gives me his permission to live a life of extraordinary things. That's how God works. Does that make sense? Oh, and by the way, when you stand in the presence of God and you're with him, he begins to tell you some bold things to do and to step out in faith. You begin to do that. People begin to criticize. You don't care anymore. You know why? Because you're standing bold in what God called you to do. And so you can just focus on what the Lord has for you. So when people say, wow, Bill, must be nice. You get to do this, do that. And I always smile and go, it is nice. It's great. God's that good. Without apology. I'm going to live my life. Does that make sense? God has a great life for you, for your marriage, for your family, for your faith, for your future. God has great things he wants to do. So can I just sum up God's purpose for you right now? People are saying, I just want to know what God's purpose is for me. I'm about to give it to you right now. You ready? Here it is. Finally, this is like the crux of it. Okay, we're going to finally get that. Look, here it is. This is it. Here is God's purpose for you. I'm going to give the general picture of it. Then we're going to get specific of what that looks, looks like for you next week because there's too much to cover in one week, but listen, here is, the, here is the purpose that God has for all of us. Here it is. Ephesians chapter one, verse 11 says this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for, period. That's it. It's in knowing him that we discover who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. It's in Christ. And he says this, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. You know, you have a specific design. God designed you with a purpose. 
He says, he had designs on us for glorious living. That means giving God glory the way we live. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. He has designed you for a reason. You know, when my car breaks down, I take it to the mechanic. But if the mechanic doesn't know what to do, because I'm a little cheap, so I go to like the general mechanic first. And if they can't figure it out, they say, yeah, we don't have the ability to figure this out. You're gonna have to take this to the manufacturer, right? Now I gotta take it to Ford, right? Or Toyota or Chevy or whatever, whatever kind of car you drive. You gotta go to the manufacturer because since they built it, they have the schematics. So don't you think that when you're broke, when you're broken, when things aren't working right, you should actually go to the original manufacturer of you and ask them how to fix you? Doesn't that make sense? And I believe the manufacturer actually gave us a handbook on exactly where we get fixed and how. Which means that God's purpose is not confusing. It's actually really simple. And here it is. If I could put it in a sentence, if I could summarize the whole Bible into a sentence, here it is. Your purpose is this, to give glory to God and make him known. That's your purpose, to give glory to God and make him known. And you said, well, I don't know how to do that. We're going to get into that next week on how, okay? But that's your purpose. But let me, the reason I'm bringing this up, because some people are living their purpose and they're still not happy. And here's why. Because you've made what God made you to do about you. So you can actually be in God's purpose, married to who God wants you to be married to, in the job God wants you to have, in the community you're supposed to be in, at the church you're supposed to be in, have all those things going and still make it about you. Rather than lifting one hand high, lifting both hands high and saying, God, my life is for you. He said, well, it's easy for you to say, Pastor, because you're a pastor. So it's obviously you're in your calling. You're just as much as your calling when you're in the military. You're just as much in your calling as a teacher, as a principal, as a coach. You're just as much in your calling as a mid-manager. You're just as much in your calling at the refinery. You're just as much as your calling selling used cars. And so it doesn't matter where your paycheck comes from. Are you doing God's purpose? Are you glorifying him? And are you making him known? Look at what the scripture says in this. Let me just give you two key verses. Here are two key verses that most theologians agree on. In fact, 95% of theologians who study the Bible honestly would say, yeah, it all kind of points to these two things. So here they are. Look, look, what, look what it says here. Matthew chapter 22. Teacher, who, what is the most important commandment? So that, hey, Jesus, what's the biggest deal? What's the most important? You sum it all up. What should we do? And, and this is what he said. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. That's it. Just a moment ago, I was sitting by my son and uh, we we're worshiping the Lord. And as I was about to go, he turned to me. He, and he, I love, Cole has these questions. He just drops on me in the middle of nowhere. I just love it. Just a moment ago, he just said, hey, dad. I was like, I'm, 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 I'm 10 seconds from walking up here. Hey, Dad, quick question. I was like, yeah. And so he always have like the philosophical question of the world, like driving them like, now I'm like, I can't preach a sermon. I gotta go think about what he just said. He just said, if you could only preach one sermon before you die, what would you say? <laughs> this is what you drop on me right before the preach? Like what? Really? And so I just turned to him and I said, I'd tell everyone about Jesus. That's it. If I, was die, if I die tomorrow, I'll go out happy because I know it's, I mean, the Texans didn't win the Super Bowl yet, but that's probably a long way off anyway. So <laughs> bottom line is this, is that that's what I do. I just tell about Jesus because he's the answer to everything. He's it. That's my sermon. That's it. And the day I quit preaching that, it's the day I need to step down because that's what matters the most. The day I make this about me, I need to step down. It needs to be about him. Listen, listen very carefully to this. It all comes down to him. But when they ask him, what matters most? 
Jesus, what should we do? What's the biggest deal that we should do? He said, oh, that's easy. He didn't have to think about it. He just whipped it out. He's like, oh, that's easy. It's real simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second commandment is also very important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can someone drive up to Washington today and let everyone know they need to love their neighbor as themselves? Can someone let everyone know up there you should just love each other? That would really help us. Notice I didn't say agree with one another. You don't have to agree with one another to love one another. Did you, did you catch that? We can actually all still disagree and just go vote and we can still just love one another. I just want to challenge you with this. It's a big deal. You don't have to agree with me to love me. I don't have to agree with you to love you. And so Jesus said, well, it comes down to this, man. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. With all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. You can tell me all your mind is on the Lord. Or is your mind like mine many times distracted and caught up in other things? What do you think is going to happen if you give, if you give your mind five hours uh, of time to screen time, to to, to something you're binging on, whether it be the news or Twitter or, or, or Facebook or Instasham, whatever you're on, fake book, if you're consumed in that stuff, right? Netflix, whatever, it, whatever the streaming service of, of choice for you, if you're consumed with that, how do you think God's gonna give you his will? You, you haven't given any time. Well, oh, I prayed, I didn't hear from God. God's like, because you talked the whole time. Would you lessen, let me talk to you? I've got some things I wanna tell you. If we'll just give God our time, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Let him fill you. If you'll do that, you'll, you'll hear from the Lord. Then there's another scripture that theologians agree upon that we believe is, it was Jesus' parting words. Like he's literally like, okay, I just died on the cross and rose again. I'm about to ascend to heaven. Before I go, one last thing. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peace, I'm out. That's what he said. He said that. So what does that mean? It means your purpose is to give glory to God and make him known. It's not complicated. Love God, love others, tell others about him. And some people say, well, I'm not a very good witness, Pastor. I hear you saying it, but I'm just, I don't know what to say. I don't have all the theology you do. You don't like that theology. In fact, most people don't even want that. But you can just do the same thing I do when I don't know what it is. I go Google it. How about you? Do you do the same thing? That's what I do. And so there's a lot of stuff I don't know, and I have to go study and find out. And people say, well, what about this? What about that? Like, sometimes I go, well, I don't know. I'll go find out. This frustrated my wife so bad when I went to seminary. I'd come home and she'd go, tell me about this and about that. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. This is this. And she was like, you have more questions than answers now. I was like, I know. I just, I just now have educated questions. <laughs> a lot of times we don't have all the answers. But you know what I love in the Bible? There's multiple places you see this. When people, their life was changed and they didn't have a, a complicated answer. They had the simple answer. When Jesus healed the blind man, the Pharisees immediately began to question about that. How can you do that? It's a Sunday. Sunday's a day of rest. That's work you did. You should be. And he's like, are you kidding me? So now he's arguing with the Pharisees. And then they turn to the blind man. They go, what do you have to say? And the blind man says, look, this is all I know, okay? All I know is I was blind and now I can see. <laughs> That's your testimony. That's it. So your testimony, your friends may be, look, all I know is I was partying and doing everything wrong and I was miserable and now I got Jesus and I'm happy. Yeah. All I know is I was screwed up, and now I'm good. That's your witness, and your job, and my job, our purpose is real simple. Whatever God calls you to do, while you do it, do that. Honor the Lord, love one another, and tell other people about them. That's your purpose. Well, that doesn't help me with who I'm supposed to marry and what college I should go to. Okay, we'll get to all that. We're going to get to that next week. I promise you, we really are. In fact, next week's message is called Designed for More. You were designed for more. We're going to unpack that next week. In fact, next week you're going to learn that life, this is going to really shock you, life is supposed to be, shh, don't tell anyone. 
Keep this a secret. Just in you and me. It's supposed to be easy. I know that shocks you. Wait, what? It's supposed to be easy. Not hard. If your life is hard, it means you're going against God's purposes. When your life becomes easy, now I didn't say lazy, but easy. We're going to unpack the difference to that but between that next week. By the way, if you own a business or you want your career to take off, maybe you work for someone else, but you want your career to take off, either way, next week I'm going to learn, I'm going to teach you how to 10x your results. Anybody interested in that? How do you 10x your results? Next week you're going to learn how to do it. Do not miss next week. You were designed for more. But before we even get there, Whatever you're currently doing, are you doing it to honor God, to love others, and to tell others about how God's changed you? Because if you're not doing that, you're missing his purpose. You can be a missionary and not be doing that. You can be a pastor and not be doing that. And you can certainly be a teacher or a coach or in the military or at the refinery and not be doing that. Or you can be a teacher, coach, in the military, the refinery, and be doing that. In fact, it says here, one last thing I want to point out, the scripture, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. At the end of that scripture, he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. People who say, I don't feel like God's with me. People who are a regular witness about how much God has changed your life, they do feel the presence of God. God's like, I'm with you to help you do it. Now, this doesn't mean that you go next week to your workplace and grab the, the mic that, you know, it's piped into everyone's office. It goes, attention, please. Everyone needs Jesus. I want everyone to know everyone needs Jesus. No, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. Please do not do that. I do not want you to lose your job. <laughs> but instead, live an extraordinary life because you walk with Jesus and everyone will say, I want what they have. I want what they have. That's what God's calling us to do. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just take a moment to pray? My prayer for you is that you would know Jesus and then you'd make him known. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can pray a simple prayer and you can receive Christ right now. Pray this prayer with me out loud. You can just say this with us. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you lift your hand high right now? Just lift it real high. We just want to pray for you. No one's looking around. If you just prayed the prayer for the very first time, thank you. I see it on hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Raise your hand high. Keep it up. Would you do that? Just keep it high. We just want to know. We just want to pray for you. Just keep it. No one's looking around. Would you just do that for me? I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand high. Thank you. Thank you for that. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. All of our campers are. I see your hand. I know. I see it. Outstretched hand. I see it. Out there. Rodfield, I see it. Come on. We see you. Thank you. Padre, thank you. We see that hand stone note. Thank you. Keep a hand high. I want you to know that by praying that prayer, you just became a part of God's family. You now know Jesus. You've now met him, and now he wants to grow in you in such a way that you can walk confidently and know that you are serving and fulfilling what God put you on this earth to do. The first thing is to know him and then to make him known. So congratulations. You can put your hand down. Put your hand down now. Now, let me just say this. Those of you who are already Christ followers, let's, let's, let's do a little confession. The Bible says confess your sins one to another. Let's confess something. I'm going to confess to you as well. I confess to you, and I, let's confess this, that I've had my foot with the Lord but like Solomon, I've also clutched at the world. 
You tell me where there's a rub, where there's something going wrong in your life, and I'll tell you that's where you're clutching at the world. So you're still saying, maybe there's something there that'll satisfy me. If you'd be honest with me, I've been honest with you. If, you, if you'll be, be honest with me and say, Pastor, I could be honest. I, I, I know the Lord. I, I prayed that prayer many years ago or many months ago, and I know Jesus, but I, honestly, I still am kind of reaching into the world. There's something in me that still thinks that may satisfy me. If that's you today, would you lift your hand high? I just want to pray for you. I understand. I get it. You're not alone. You're not alone. His hand's going up all across our campuses. Thank, thank you for your honesty. Thank you. I'm going to pray that God will begin to show you like he's shown me. And he has to remind me this often, that he is the only thing that will satisfy me. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you, God, that we're just, we're just honest. We're just people, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the guy in the Bible who said, I have faith, but help me with my unbelief. I thank you for the admittance, the fact that we can be a Christian but we can also still kind of want the world. Help us, Lord, to find that that needs to end. If we'll let that go, that you're enough, God. You are enough. Thank you, Lord, for your truth and your word today. Solomon proved that he had everything, yet he felt empty until he returned to you. You are enough, Lord. Fear God. Keep his commandments. That's the whole summary. That's the whole duty of man. If we just get back to that, our lives will suddenly become full, happy, fulfilled, peaceful. Thank you for that, God. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.